Hello again, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of the Big Red Bus. As we pull this beautiful Big Red Bus out of the, the garage, we're going to stop right away because I, I'm a little delirious with uh, the excitement over the news about the hiring of Billy Donovan as the next head coach of the beloved Bull. I'd like to bring in the great one, the podfather, Doug Tonus, to the talk. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I love the fact that you know we have almost no time, and yet you still had to describe the bus day. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's important to let the listeners know what we're actually doing while we're talking about the beloved. I'm in shock, man. I'm still in shock. I can't believe it happened. We received the news yesterday afternoon around 5 Central Standard Time, and it's just, it's the probably out of all the c- candidates, I would say he was, to me, the least likely that they would go after just because I felt like he would probably cost the most. I'd love to get your initial impressions on the news and the hire overall for the beloved. Yeah, sure. And, and I, I am very angry about the timing. I just released a podcast two hours earlier detailing all the strengths and weaknesses of assistant coaches that I spent like hours researching. So that was all thrown away. Damn you. I uh, just deleted it and, and recorded a new one on Billy Donovan. So probably have a little more detail on that. But uh, overall, I, I think one, it, it shows that the organization is looking to be more professional, more big market minded. They're obviously willing to spend a lot of money. He was probably the most expensive candidate out there, uh, the one with the best resume. Uh, I mean, he was probably the premier uh, coach available. Maybe Mike D'Antoni would have been uh, viewed as more favorable. I don't know. But, I mean, he's one of the top guys out there, and the Bulls went after him, and they got him even though you know, it would seem like their situation is worse than the Thunder's personnel-wise, and, and people thought that was one of the reasons Donovan wasn't staying with the Thunder. So they, they convinced him that it's actually going to be a good player situation and a good situation for here, him here as well. Yeah, and I wonder if that decision to come to Chicago instead of staying in Oklahoma City might have had something to do with like a Jeremy Grant, who was a valuable rotation player for the Thunder, you know, being traded for essentially nothing, a protected first to the Denver Nuggets. I, I imagine that has to elicit some type of frustration with a head coach that, gosh, these guys do not have unlimited resources. They definitely don't. Oklahoma City is one of those markets that doesn't have the resources that the Bulls do. They just don't have it. And you know, I wonder if that had something to do with his decision to, to move on to an organization with definitely, I, would, I don't think anyone could argue, as bright of a future as Oklahoma City. Well, I would have to say that even though theoretically that could be true, from a practical standpoint, Oklahoma City has definitely paid more luxury tax than the Bulls. Uh, they've, they've extended their financial resources further than the Bulls have over the last, you know, I don't know, however long. I mean, the Bulls have paid luxury tax once. The Thunder were very deep into the tax. So I, I, I have a hard time feeling that that was the real reason. You know, in terms of young assets, the, the Thunder have nine future first-round picks over the next five years. You know, you have to feel like they're they're going to have a ton of young talent coming in. I think it's actually somewhat of an appealing situation. I my guess really is that Oklahoma City and Billy Donovan discussed a contract, and in the end, Oklahoma City wasn't so thrilled with Donovan that they wanted to pay him six million dollars a year, and Donovan wasn't so thrilled with Oklahoma City that he was going to take a job for less than he was going to be able to get on the open market, and the Bulls probably just out outbid Oklahoma. I mean, that that's my just raw guess is that for him is probably purely about money and you know sometimes you're in a job and you know it's a great job you're a great fit you're doing a great job but like everyone has an expiration date in a job you get tired of the same people you get tired of the same thing you want to shake it up a little bit and he may have also just been like i want to do something new now too so i I don't think it was about the players though and and the franchise's willingness to spend i mean i I can't say historically the bulls have shown that more than the thunder have yeah but definitely different situations and and the fact that the thunder drafted kevin durant Russell Westbrook and James Harden, all within a five-year period, all elite players in the top ten of anyone's list in the NBA. Uh, maybe not Russell Westbrook anymore, but at one time, definitely true. They were kind of forced into paying the luxury tax, whereas the Bulls really have never been in the situation where I'd say, yeah, it made a ton of sense to do it. They have done it, but to let a player like Grant again walk, I point to this is to me like a, I don't think that would have happened necessarily in Chicago. I know some may argue, well, they let Ben Gordon Walker essentially nothing. Um, you know, but that was a, a different situation to me. It just is grand. Well, they let Corver walk for nothing, right? I mean, that was not that long ago. Either way, let's just put it this way. There's certainly no evidence that the Bulls are going to outspend the Thunder. 
We can argue about why things may be different between those two teams. I just don't think that's a deciding well, they just factor. Like, that's, them not, here. that's not evidence. Let's be honest. There's evidence maybe. right here in, in today, what happened. The Bulls are paying more. You're talking about one trade. There's like a gazillion examples of the Bulls doing the same thing. Total money spent. The Thunder have spent way more than the Bulls have ever been shown willing to spend. So, no, it's not. I mean, you can say, well, the Thunder, of course, had to pay more because of this or that. But they didn't. They didn't have to pay more. They, they did pay more. You know, the Bulls could have paid more at different Harden. times and didn't pay more. They also traded James Harden it, for financial reasons. The, the, Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and, and James Harden, James Harden exploded after they traded him. He wasn't viewed anywhere near the player he was at the time of the trade. I, like, I agree. Like, I think the Thunder are, are, you know, they're a small market team. I'm just saying, this was a team that was set to pay like $60 million in luxury tax, like five times the amount the Bulls would ever dream of paying at one point. Like, the total amount of tax they paid uh, has got to be like an order of magnitude greater than what the Bulls have paid in their entire history. So Fair whatever argument. reasons you want to back into it, I doubt Billy Donovan is going, wow, the Bulls are this free-spending franchise, and the Thunder weren't. Like, that that just doesn't make any sense to say that. Yeah, okay, we'll agree to disagree, because I think it does make sense in the big picture that the Bulls will have the resources going forward to keep players that they feel they need to keep. And Oklahoma City has been hindered in the past. There is no question about this. And some key players... As of the Bulls. As, that, as, as of the, the Bulls, uh, but not to the degree that it has for Oklahoma City. I am so right, Jeremy Grant, superstar. Well, well, James Harden, I, as much as you want to argue that he exploded after he left Oklahoma City. Which is true. They did people, not want to leave. Tom Harden signed his contract, said that was a bad deal. They did not want to trade James made. Harden. They did not want to trade him. They had to trade him because they didn't have the resources to keep him. They, and, they offered him a contract slightly under what he, he took, ended up taking from Houston, and he wouldn't take it. I mean, so they were, they were willing to pay a whole lot for Harden. Just not, they thought that contract was too rich for just him. Just not enough and for what Houston around the league thought the same thing. Yeah, just not what Houston wanted. You know, so I mean, because they're yeah, under those restrictions. That's, a, that's the difference team. between saying that the Thunder were like, oh, I, I don't want this guy because we can't afford him. Like, they were willing to pay him, like, I don't remember what it was at the time, say, like, $15 million and he got, like, 17 or it was 22 and he got 23 or but, whatever it was. Like, like they were willing to pay him a lot, and it was just like they thought he was oh, – wasn't worth what that, that deal was, so they took the picks. I, I just keep on hearing this over and over again. Why didn't he go to Indiana? Why didn't he stay in Oklahoma City? The reason is simple. They're not a big market team, and the Bulls are finally acting like a big market team. There's no debate about this. There's four institutions in the NBA that are above and beyond everyone else when it comes to resources and reputation. The Chicago Bulls, the Boston Celtics, the, well, I'll say five. The Los Angeles Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, and the New York Knicks. Now, the New York Knicks have been a laughing stock out of incompetence, not due to lack of resources. It's just a fact. Bulls have never shown, even remotely, the willingness to use their resources like those teams. Until, I agree with you. Yes, they right. have those resources, but they have never remotely shown any willingness to use them. And until they do, you can't say that's a strength of this team. It well, is a I potential they, strength. But, but Doug, they just, showed strength, the, but they just showed the willingness to use the resources never by remotely. signing Billy Donovan. That's a fact. How can we argue this? Out of all the outstanding coaches, he was the one, as you said, who demanded the highest amount of money. This is not a typical Bulls move for the last 25 years. Absolutely. I completely agree. But you know what that cost him? Like $2 million a year over like a cheap coach. Like the value of like a minimum player over a cheap coach. That's how much it costs you to get like an elite coach. It's like $2 million a year over like it's just a random assistant. I don't know That's the details how much on the contract. Maybe three million. I would say it's more but it's than that. Like, it's not like paying the luxury tax and paying an extra forty or fifty million a year. No doubt. Like the Knicks, have, like those other teams have put in like fifty million extra a year in luxury tax payments, plus the extra like forty million or thirty million, whatever they're over the tax to pay those payments. Like their total team payrolls have been like a hundred million dollars more than what the Bulls would pay. So them signing a great coach is a great start, and then bringing in a great front office is a great start. And I agree. They're acting more like a big market team now than they ever have in the past. But that's a very different thing from saying they're going to do that with their roster expenses. We're doing the same thing can cost you an extra $80 million a year and not an extra like $6 million total by, say, rounding out your front office with elite people and your coaching staff with elite people. It's a totally different thing. And so I hope you're right. I hope they expend those resources. They absolutely have them. But that's a different thing that we've not seen yet. And I, I hope we will. Fair not statement. Yet. Fair statement. But it is completely different than we saw in 2008 when they fired Skiles. Paxson wanted to hire Mike D'Antonio, and, and Reinsdorf said no. And then he wanted to hire Doug Collins, who again would have been more expensive than what they ended up with, and he said no. And then finally they settled on Vinny Del Negro for a cheap, bad coach. Yeah, 
Agreed. This is a, uh, you have to feel like this is the first time Reinsdorf wasn't involved in a coaching decision. Not thrilled. heard that yet. I, I'm thrilled. Yeah. And I think, I think that's yeah, even more exciting we, we about it than stand. actually Billy Donovan, you know, it's like, it's just a yeah. change in doing business. And, you know, Billy Donovan, people are all, all over me on Twitter because I said hard pass in response on Twitter to Billy Donovan. When I said, when I said that, when I made that Twitter statement, number one, I was very upset with the fact that Oklahoma City had just lost to the Rockets when I wanted Oklahoma City to win badly, and I felt their last play on an out-of-bounds play was, was a dis- disgrace. So, yes, it was a, I made in frustration, and in retrospect, it was a mistake. But big picture, I didn't remotely believe we had a chance for him. You would have to be an idiot to look at his six, over 600% winning, his 60% winning percentage and, and say, oh, this is a bad hire. He's been a winner since he came in the league, and, yeah, he's had talent. He didn't have a ton of real great talent this year. Most people, nobody wanted a part of that Chris Paul contract. He did a great job this season, and he was top three in coach of the year voting, well-deserved. He's a competent communicator and head coach. I think probably the best option out there because we don't know how these first-year coaches were, and I know I've been trumpeting hiring one of these guys, but we don't really know how they were. We don't know how they were in the interview. We don't know how they're going to be in action. And we do know how Billy Donovan's going to be. He's going to be competent at worst. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I've told you before, I think coaching is a threshold you know, ability. You know, Billy Donovan is clearly past the threshold of competent head coach. Uh, his strengths are in player development. That is going to be something the Bulls absolutely need. He's, he's a good fit. Is he the most brilliant strategic mind of all coaches? I'm not sure that that's true. I, probably not. But at the same time, I think that that – type of trait is vastly, vastly uh, overstated in its value. Agreed. Uh, having a guy who maintains great relationships, uh, can keep the team motivated, can make sure player development is working out well, can find uh, the right way to use their guys, the right minutes, the right rotations. That's actually probably the most important types of traits. You're a, in a large part an administrator here, hiring good assistants, listening to the people around you. Like These are the types of leadership qualities you really need. I think Billy Donovan has these type of qualities. And, you know, for the Bulls just trying to get back into the playoffs, those types of things are far more important than whether he's going to be able to draw up the perfect out-of-bounds play and, and be able to, to sink a game winner in a close game. And, you know, I just think in the end, those types of plays, it's more about the players and what they're able to do than it is about the head coach. You know, there's it's nothing like secretive in this league, like offensive scheme-wise or defensive scheme-wise. Everyone knows what everyone is running. Everyone has... You know, the same gist of stuff going on in their playbooks that they tailor to the talent on the roster. Like, I, I just don't think those things are, are nearly so valuable. And people place too much emphasis on, oh, this, this one play worked or this one play failed. You know, like sometimes it's great offense, sometimes it's great defense. You know, it's like sometimes you could have done something else and it would have worked, but you don't know in advance. Like the team guesses right. Like people, people put way too much emphasis on these like very small sample size events in terms of how valuable they are at engaging someone. Yeah, to anyone who still has doubts, Jakeem Noah called him his best coach he ever played for in 2015. That's post-Tibbs. Anyone has doubts, Bradley Beal says he's like a second father. And I know some may, cons- may, may be concerned that that might indicate he's you know, more suited for the, co- for the college coaching ranks. Maybe true, but there's no arguing the results. The result, he's Kenny Atkinson with actual results, you know, the, to me. Well, I mean, let's let's be fair. Billy Donovan had a little bit more talent with him. He's also Atkinson in a much did. more difficult. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, also in the first conference. Yeah. Like I just, this is why I said too. It's you can't gauge coaches against each other in terms of win loss record and a lot of other things. Like the deck is never evenly stacked amongst any of these guys. Each situation is different. So that's why I said, like, it goes down to a, a threshold thing. If I replaced Billy Donovan with Steve Kerr, do I think the Thunder would have like won two titles in the last five years? No, I don't. Neither does anyone else. If you replaced uh, Donovan with Steve Kerr on the Warriors, do you think the Warriors still would have won titles? Of course you do. Yeah. Like so, it's it's like one of these things. Like I, he's a good coach. He's competent. His specific strength in player development is something we absolutely need. His relationship management skills seem unparalleled. Like his his actual strengths are things that are going to be very very valuable for this team where it is today. And so that is something to be positive. And the greater point you made, even though we got down this tangent of of how the Bulls will spend. The greater point you made of so far, the evidence being that this is a move towards bigger market attitude, going out, finding the best guy in the market and going after him and getting him to come here, even though it's not the most premier job. That is something that you have to love as a Bulls fan. Even if you're not the biggest fan of Donovan, you have to love the fact that they said, this is actually the best guy in the market. We went and got him. 
He didn't go to Philadelphia. He didn't go to Indiana. He didn't go to a team that's better than our team. He, he came to us. You that, know, even though shocking. we didn't have the yeah. best situation, we went out and got him. That's awesome to see as a Bulls fan. Amen. Agree 100%. And that was one team you mentioned, Philadelphia, that I thought he would have been an excellent fit at, along with New Orleans and a number of other places. But he chose the Bulls for whatever reason. I think it says a lot about our tourists and his ability to convince people to come here. I did want to touch on one specific player uh, who I mentioned before, Bradley Beal, who has two years left on a contract. So obviously this upcoming season and the following season at big money, you know, 30-plus. And then he has a he has a player option in year three, which I think is entirely possible he could, you know, he's 27 years old. He could easily reject that, especially if the situation in Washington continues down this horrendous path. Question to you is, with his stated love for Billy Donovan, is that a guy you'd go after, number one? What would you offer for it, number two? And number three, do you think it makes more likely that we'll get players like this into this city due to the fact we actually have a competent coach? Well, it makes it somewhat more likely. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much that moves the needle for players. I, I think the coach is, is probably pretty low on their priority list. You know, star players just figure they can come in and replace the coach anyway. So, uh, yeah. you know, I don't do like exactly what happened Brand, in Brooklyn, you know, Irving, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You know, and Irving came in and like, yeah, we don't like this guy, Atkinson, who has an amazing reputation around the league and everyone loves, and he's gone anyway. So I, I don't know that star players attract uh, – or star coaches attract players in the same way. Um but I, it makes some difference. It's, it's obviously better than nothing. And I, and I think certainly someone like Beal, who's you know, openly professed a love for this guy, obviously it would, he would you know, be more open to it. Uh, I would certainly be happy to have Bradley Beal on this team. I mean, who wouldn't be? He's a great player. Uh, what would, could you offer for him? You know, if we had something around, like, say, Porter and Markkinen uh, for Bradley Beal, you know, I think I would be in on that. Oh uh, if you God. could just swap Who and Levine, <laughs> you know, I think it's, 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 it's kind of like, just like how much do you give up though for Bradley Beal is the question. Um, you know, Porter has to be part of the trade just to match salaries. And then if it's Lowry and, and uh, you know, our draft pick. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably do that. I think Bradley Beal is, is All right, so know, let me throw out, let me throw out three options. Lowry, right. Lowry, Porter Jr. for salary matching purposes, our number four pick this year. Yeah, I'd say yes. No doubt. Uh, yeah. Same same package, number one unprotected next year. Instead of the number four this year? or No, in addition. Because I'm, I'm telling you right now, it won't get it done with Washington, that package. Unless, you know, maybe you put in Kobe White instead of Lari. I think they might do it and consider that. I'm really reticent to, to add White to anything because I'm kind of excited about what I saw from him at such a young age at the end of the you know, the last 10 games of the season. But I think that may do it, but I don't think marking in, in number four. And, you know, I think if you, you throw on top four protection on the pick next year, then I, I would do it. Yeah, I, I'd actually throw on protected because you bring him in town, you got a better coach. We're not going to be a lottery team in the East next year. There's no way. If you're only giving up Murray marketing, you, you definitely always have a chance of being a lottery team. I mean, there's not a lot of depth on this team. You're not going to be able to make a lot of other moves. Either way, I would I would consider it uh, just you know if if and that's the thing if you know you're definitely not going to be a lottery team then the protection shouldn't matter much. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, yeah. Washington waged the same. If you end up with number one in a loaded draft next year and you lost it though, like that that could potentially be franchise crippling, especially if Beal then walks in two years. Like I don't think you're a, I don't think you're a team on the path to win a title if you trade for Bradley Beal, and and so you don't you don't give up a fully unprotected pick while you're still in a playoff team or a non-playoff team. Yeah. Uh, regardless, this opens up the possibility big picture to me is that, you know, this is what you see with free agents. Like we saw with Davis. I want to go to four teams. Here are the four teams. Here are your options. I think Chicago's legit an option now, which it never would have been before with the, with, you know, coach bonehead. So, I mean, this is, this is really exciting for that reason alone. Yeah, maybe. Um, it just depends. I don't know that we're going to have the cap room. It depends a lot on what we do. There's so much that's going to happen between now and next offseason, you know, for us to, to say. I mean, and it, it definitely could be a, a legitimate chance we could have Davis. But we're going to need to have significant improvement. Davis in particular would require the Lakers to, you know, not win a title and, and do some other stuff to, for that to, to pan out. But uh, I think otherwise he's, he's going to stick there. All good stuff. DT, it was great talking to you for 20 minutes here. 
what you're about to hear next is is an episode recorded a few days ago. We talked about the current state of playoffs. Will the title be tarnished? Uh, we get into deep dives on draft prospects, Devin Vassell and Cole Anthony. And we get talk a little bit on would you trade for Paul George. And uh, I think all those are interesting topics. I hope you enjoy it. It's always good to talk to you, DT. Let me pull this bus back around, get it in the garage, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll record a, a description of it for like 20, 40, 20 to 30 minutes uh, offline. <laughs> Seems like an amazing thing that you would do. <laughs> exactly. All right, brother. Take it easy, my man. Have a great day. And go Bulls, man. What a, it's a new era. Go Bulls. See you later. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the beautiful Big Red Machine out into the roads of Illinois. I, Gosh darn it, I had a whole big speech planned and I left it downstairs, but I, I guess I'll save it for the other show. Uh, to, I, I mean, I left it back at home as we're driving out. I'll save it for the next one where I could go on for a good four or five minutes about the description of the bus. But until then, uh, my, my great... Uh, podcast co-host how you doing brother oh just living the dream Doug Tonus, you know bears pod- one today so feel good about that yes i incredible very uh convincing two wins <laughs> convincing two wins i mean <laughs> super bowl or bust but you know let's be honest if the bulls won their first two games whenever they are we'll probably be super excited regardless of how bad the teams they play are I'd rather rather beat two bad teams than uh, lose to two good teams. So it's, Amen. Uh, still as good a start as you can have. Amen. That's exactly how I feel. Big picture, the Bears are undefeated. The Cubs and Sox are likely both going into the playoffs. It's actually a, a pretty good time. Boylan's still fired. It's actually a pretty good time to be a Chicago <laughs> sports fan. So I think it's all good. So we had a number of discussions. I got a lot of feedback on the last show, especially some of the – uh, the arguing at the end over Jimmy Butler, where he ranks with the in the in the grand scheme of players in the NBA. So I appreciate all the feedback on that, and I, I think you know maybe in a future show, I think it's best that we wait and see where where this leads. Right now, uh, as we record this, um, Miami is uh, up two one against Boston. Really interesting series. Before we get into the show, I just get, like to get your feedback on the playoffs so far, the Eastern and Western Conference playoffs. Any any opinion on what you've seen so far uh, from the from the four teams? Uh, do you feel like uh, it's it's playing out as you expected, or do you think this is going to be you know pretty quick next step to the finals? Well, I, I had thought that Boston would beat Miami, and I discussed a lot of this. I, I brought back the Bulls beat. Sorry for plugging myself, and I had a whole episode just on Jimmy Butler and this trade, and it's like twenty minutes of very nuanced discussion around the whole topic. So if you're really desperate for more Jimmy Butler, uh, you can go download that episode. But um, I, I thought I thought Boston would win. And, you know, after being down 2-0, I still thought Boston had a chance to win. But clearly they, they aren't like so much better in my mind than Miami that I would spot Miami two games and still pick Boston. So I said, okay, 2-0, probably Miami's going to win. But, you know, now that it's 2-1 and they have to win three out of four instead of four out of five, like, yeah, I think Boston has a chance. Uh, I, I don't think Miami's the better team. So I, I think Boston still has a, a very good chance at this thing. And you know, on the other side, it, you know, at least at this moment, I don't know if the game's over yet, but it, it was uh, the Lakers looked like they were going to win uh, against the Nuggets and go up 2-0. And I, I thought that was going to be a very fast series for the Lakers, and it, it looks so far like that's, that's the case. Uh, I, I predict the Lakers will easily win the title and just stomp whoever they play in the finals. And LeBron will be the first player I know of who will be Finals MVP on three different teams. Assuming that he beats out Anthony Davis, which is a, a big assumption, the way Davis is playing. I mean, defensively tonight, I saw one play where the Lakers were up 10 and he had uh, Jamal Murray one-on-one and just shut him down. And uh, it was an, just incredible defense. The guy is just an elite player. And I think it's easy to forget that LeBron wasn't even in the playoffs last year. Uh, that team was a complete disaster. Obviously, there were some injury situations going on with it. But to go from not even making the playoffs with LeBron to you know going to the finals, I think it says something about Anthony Davis as a player. Yeah, I think uh, Anthony Davis is obviously amazing, uh, a great player for sure. And 
I think LeBron will win finals MVP anyway, regardless of what Anthony Davis does. I just think they'll just give it to LeBron. Just, You're right. I, You're I probably right on that. Absolutely. I just, I, yeah. Even if Davis is the better player, I think they'll just they'll just give it to LeBron. I just think that's how it's going to go. But, you know, either way, I'm, I'm a little sad because I don't really want the Lakers to win. I was sort of in the anyone but the L.A. teams kind of boat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought the Nuggets, who now have officially lost the game, I thought they were probably the, the last best chance to upset the Lakers. I didn't think they would, but I think they have a better chance than either Miami or Boston would. And uh, it looks like we're going to see LeBron celebrate with his, his third team and the Lakers just getting more rings, which obviously they need because they've not had enough success in their history uh, to make you nauseated. So, yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, one quick question on this uh, before we get into uh, our player prospect uh, deep dives. Do you feel like the fact that this is in the bubble at all diminishes the accomplishment of whoever wins this title? The fact that it's such a strange season, almost you know, two different seasons, we had such a break with the pandemic. Does that tarnish it, or does it actually make it as good or better? I, I don't think it does either. I mean, everyone's playing under the same rules. It's not like one team is at some disadvantage. I mean, specifically from the Lakers' perspective, they, they would have had home court against every opponent they face in the playoffs, and now they're on a neutral court for all of those. So I think that actually works considerably against the Lakers, you know, specifically if they were to win. So I don't think it would diminish a title by them at all. Um, it, it is a different uh, set of circumstances than we've seen before, but I don't think it diminishes it. I think it's just, yeah, this, is, this one's a little different. It's not less, it's not more, it's just a little different. Fair enough. Good. I want to get a little bit into a deep dive on our next player, our next prospect that I haven't seen really picked as high as four, but he's absolutely, you know, been in the top ten and he's worth a conversation. He's a player I happen to like. Uh, Devin Vassell. Let's get into the Florida State uh, small forward. Slash, I guess he could play the two. More of a small forward probably as he gets bigger in the NBA, potentially even a power forward, but he's going to have to put on quite a bit of weight to do that. What's your take on Devin Vassell, and do you feel like he'd be a great addition to the beloved Bull? Uh, I, I, so hearing we've not talked about any of these guys, so I don't know how, exactly how you feel, but it sounds like you like him a lot, so I'm going to say I like him a lot less than you. Uh, <laughs> what? I don't like him more. Uh, it, looks like a, it looks like a good defensive prospect, maybe a little Tayshaun Prince-esque. Yeah, that's the name that came to my head. That's the exact same name that I thought of, too. It's interesting you said that. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of like who is a long, gangly type of defender. Left hander, and uh, yeah, and and Prince was the first guy. Uh, kind of has a shot that looks like Michael Red's uh, shot. Um, and Michael Red was a great shooter. I don't really think Vassell would be a great shooter, uh, though a very consistent shooter in college on on a high a lot of a high amount of volume. Uh, I think he was over forty percent, but. Slow release. He's got one of these weird kick the ball back behind his head type of releases that you don't see too often. Yep. Uh, don't that's going to really project well to take guys off the dribble. Uh, may may be difficult, but because of his length, his long arms, and his his release point, he probably will be able to get the shot off. Okay, I don't think that'll be a huge problem uh, just because the the angle is so far behind him uh, and the height will be good. But you know, slow wind up. Uh, don't think he's going to give you a lot of offense. Uh, defensively, he's, he's not super athletic, so you know he's really playing defense through uh, skill and length. Uh, gets his hands on, on lots of balls for deflections and uh, excellent shot blocker. So I, I think he'd be a solid player, uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think he'll be a special player in in any uh, in any way. No, agreed, a hundred percent. Like I, I think I like him. I like him at like fifteen, sixteen, or seventeen in a normal draft. Uh, but at number four, you know, like I just keep on going back to this. Yeah, he's, he's a nice defender. He's he's very skinny. Uh, that's one thing to hit. And I, I think he needs to get considerably stronger to play defense against. You know, can you even try to imagine him playing against a bigger three like a Kawhi Leonard or a LeBron James or you know somebody like of, of that elk? I mean, they have thirty or forty pounds on him. I don't even think he's he can remotely stay with those guys. And I agree too. It's kind of strange. Like shot blocking was his strength, but I didn't find him to be like an uber athlete you're right like most of the blocks i thought were more due to the fact that he had tremendous length he does have a lot of length and good instincts and, and anticipation uh, the shot you know i love guys that can shoot he was over 40 percent from three it is a little bit you know kind of a release it's a little bit over the head but 
you know, that's I don't see him getting blocked a lot due to the fact that he's pretty long uh, on a catch and shoot. My issue was, like, I don't see this guy scoring off the dribble at all in the NBA. And you kind of need that at four, don't you? You kind of want to have a guy who can create his own shot and make something happen. I, I saw one stat. He had one shot off the dribble as a freshman, 39 as a sophomore. So he in, in, you know, got quite a bit better as a sophomore. He's 20 years old. 39 as a sophomore. Like, I one off the dribble? Like, are you kidding me? To me, like, it, I don't know if that's normal or not, but it just sounded ridiculous. You know, like... That's where most great players score is off the dribble. Am I, am I crazy, Doug, or is this? Uh, a- no, so, I mean, I, I, I think it's, he's not, not going to be a great player. He's a guy you draft because he's a role player. He's a 3 and D guy for your team, right? Like that's, Exactly. That exactly. is why you draft him, and I agree. At four, you probably want a lot more than a 3 and D guy. Now, if you're able to trade down with someone, would uh, Vessel be someone I'd consider taking? Yeah, sure. If I'm, I, Like you said, if I'm – Picking, you know, somewhere around like 10 to 15, then yeah, he's someone I might consider. I don't know that he'd be my 10th best player. I've not really tried to order these guys, which I can't even imagine trying to put a board together because it's just like, which brand of like random question marks do you want to, to take on as challenges? Like there's, you know, it's just all these guys have different, completely different strengths and weaknesses. And then I don't know who I think really stands out, but, uh, you know, I think once you get around 10, you can start talking about him. You know, but I, I agree. There's not like a lot of upside, in my opinion, though. You know, like I say, any any player can end up surprising you. So I don't want to ever artificially put a ceiling on a guy. But yeah, right now he looks like a guy who's three and D, and because he's also not a super athletic player, I would just be concerned that even that defense doesn't translate as well as like you hope it might. Yeah. And maybe it actually doesn't become quite as good as as you think it could. Um, you know, simply for that reason too. Yeah, I, I do like the fact that most of the games I saw, I played with a pretty high motor, and I thought played you know pretty aggressively, put forth a lot of effort, didn't seem to be, you know, uh, taking it easy. But I agree 100. percent Like kind of like a poor man's Otto Porter Jr. I mean, a really poor man, Otto Porter Jr. In that he's nowhere near, near as strong or big, and but I I saw a lot of similarities there too. So for the Bulls as a fit, he would probably fit right. You could see him coming in and playing the three. Um, but man, you just want more, like I said, at that, at, at that spot in the draft, Cole Anthony was the other player we wanted to go a little bit deeper, deeper dive on. Um, I'm really curious to hear your opinion of him, uh, six, three, one ninety point guard or actually a shooting guard. Probably I would say he probably translates to, it's kind of like a combo guard. I probably would say the best description of him. but what's your take on Cole Anthony of North Carolina? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't draft him. Uh, I mean, I, 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 yeah, he'd just be at my do not draft list. That's my. And your reasons for that? I'm curious. Um, yeah. So he's not a great passer. Um, doesn't have great size. Uh, seems a lot like Kobe White, whom you just drafted. Um, not sure he's like a pure point guard. Wasn't a great shooter. You know. didn't look strong enough to really finish that well through contact with low efficiency player. Um, definitely very fast and um, seemed like he, he's a very quick player, pretty go- good ball handler, sometimes flashed like good court vision, but I don't know, just like too many holes and doesn't fill enough needs. And it just kind of feels like it's, it's like getting other Zach and Kobe. Like I just, um, yeah, I just don't feel it stands out enough uh, in terms of what you're actually looking to do. Yeah, six six five wingspan. I think he's to me projects to be like a poor man's Kobe White. Like I don't even think he's even he's. You're, there are a lot of similarities between him and Kobe, except I think Kobe obviously is a significantly better shooter. I think the stats would verify that fact. He shot thirty eight percent in college last year. I, I understand that a lot of that was due to the fact he was asked to do a lot for that North Carolina team that wasn't great. But, man, I was like, I can't even believe this guy's being talked about in the top ten. I was really, really disappointed in what I saw with him. And, uh, yeah, I would not even remotely want him at, at four or and at any point in this draft. I think we both simpatico on that. Um, I if I would be absolutely floored if the Bulls drafted him because, to me, he's like, uh, like I said, a poor man's Kobe White. And where does he fit? You know, really? He's, he's not going to be starting with Zach Levine and Kobe White on this, on this roster. He'd be coming off the bench and – 
you know, I don't, I don't think there's any room for him. Yeah, I think there's zero percent chance that they start him. I, I mean, like that's just, or that they take him. I think there's just no way that that happens. Okay, so that's good. So I'm glad to hear that we're both uh, in agreement on that. I wanted to get into another topic, and I think this kind of ties into our overall viewpoint of of this draft. And, and I think you're in agreement with me that. Uh, out of the last four drafts that I've really kind of done a deep dive, deep dive on since the Bulls have started this rebuild, to me, this is by far the worst. Uh, there aren't any, to me, transformational players that I've seen that I'm really excited about or really want. Every player has major holes compared to other drafts where I said, oh, I can absolutely see that guy you know, having a spot in the league. Do you kind of concur on that so far of, of what you've seen? Do you feel like this is kind of trending towards a pretty bad draft? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we've discussed that even just very straightforwardly, that we do not expect this to be an interesting draft. So, yeah, to that end, I was kind of surprised when I tweeted out the following question that had over a thousand responses and it varied on both ends where people were ridiculing my uh, questions and and, and ridiculing the question and had pretty strong opinions on, on both sides. Would you trade out of Porter Jr.? and Laurie Markkinen, and the fourth overall pick in this draft for the Clippers for Paul George. What would you say first, Doug? And then I'll get into what the, what the fans thought. No, I, I would not do that. And could you expound on why? why would, well, one, Paul George only has one more year before he can opt out. Well, he has a yeah, player uh, two, option. Two, Paul 30, George. $37 million. And Two, Paul George has uh, been a, a career kind of playoff loser. He's not a guy you build teams around. Uh, like I just like, why would you have any confidence that you know this guy is going to be a great player for you? Because he's been a great player in the league. He's had like one great year in the league. He's flamed out That's in the playoffs. True. He doesn't. He doesn't project into like some kind of star player. I just. I just would not be excited about Paul George. So, agree or disagree, I. I would not be excited about him. You wouldn't get to keep him a long period of time. Again, I just would not be, be be thrilled about what you you'd give up all this stuff for Paul George. All this stuff is out of Porter Jr., who's leaving, right? That's true. Right? Out the of number Porter four Jr. pick is what you're giving up. And I just don't think you give up the number four pick for a guy who's going to be here one year and isn't the guy I'd want to build around. Doug, he's averaged over 20 points in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. He had 20, averaged 28 points for Oklahoma City in 2018-19. 28 points in that season in 77 games. I think we're, we're really have gone way overboard in condemning this guy as as a bad player. He's not. He's a top player. And I, he's the I reason. did not say he's a bad player. He's but not you, a bad player. But, but you're not making, willing to trade for him. He's making $37 million. He's going to be here for one year. $33 million next year. $37 million on a player option the following year. So it, go he's going to leave. Why, are you why, 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 why do you say he's going to leave? Guy gonna leave. How, how do we know he's going to leave if – Let's say let's say he comes here and all right, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Paul George, Wendell Carter Jr. at the four, and let's say Gafford at the five. That team is not a playoff team. Well, yeah, he's East. been on playoff teams before. He was just with Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers, a team expected to make the finals. Like one, it doesn't matter. The Clippers aren't going to take that trade anyway. But if they do, I don't. I'm not interested. I'm not interested in Paul George. I don't like Paul George. I've never liked Paul George. Uh, he's never done anything that makes me feel otherwise. Now he did have that one amazing year in Gold uh, in Oklahoma City that you mentioned. It was really great that season. And then how far did they make it to the playoffs? Well, they lost in the first round. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. How how far does Paul George get in the playoffs ever? <laughs> like it's just not. And that's with a guy better than him on his team. Like I just I'm just not excited about Paul George. So you're not going to change my mind on that. All like, right. And would not give up the number four pick. Now if you just said wow. The Clippers just want to dump them. They're so pissed, and they'll take Porter and Markkinen. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give that up for George. Okay, so it's the number four pick that's the sticking point. Like you're you're not high on Laurie Markkinen. No, it's the number four pick because it, it's not so much that I hate Markkinen. I don't I'm not high on him. That's true, but it's not so much that I hate Markkinen. It's just that his value is very questionable. Because you only have this one year left of control, and then you're going to have to repay him at market value, and who knows what that's going to be like or how it's going to go. And he's just not the type of player that's super valuable in the NBA today. 
And so I'm, I'm just not excited about him. Like he, he's fine. I'd, I'd be okay keeping him, but I'm not excited about him. And if he had three years of control left, I'd be a lot more excited. But you don't. You have one year, and then, then you're going to re-up and pay him who knows how much. And then at that point, now it's, it's, it's yeah, maybe he's fine, but now he's a fine player who costs you $20 million. And even if he's a $20 million player, but you're paying him $20 million, that's no longer really a big win for you. No. So, so I'm not excited about marketing. I'm not excited about, you know, any of these guys really, um, that the Bulls have. And I, yeah, George would be would be an addition. And if you could keep Levine and him, yeah, you could have probably have a playoff team for sure, and, and maybe even be a second round playoff team. But it it doesn't move the needle, and I just don't think George would be likely to stay. And so I wouldn't give up draft capital. I'm going to disagree. You know, for the following reasons: number one, Paul George has succeeded in the playoffs it's just he hasn't led his team to great playoff success but he's been in the east for the vast majority of his career where no one had playoff success because lebron was in the conference he averaged 28.6 points for oklahoma city over those five games that they lost i thought he played very well at times there uh his career over 20 points in the playoffs per game yes it's he struggled mightily this year it was awful no doubt about it but i think there's a reason why he's in L.A. It's because of Paul George. Like, if, if that's the whole goal, that we're able to recruit superstars, you got to have a superstar. And he's a superstar. Or he's, he's actually looked that way from his peers. So, I would absolutely take a shot. Number one, I think he's... I really question whether or not he's going to opt out of that next year. It's $37 million. Is he really going to opt out of that? Do you think it's likely he's going to opt out of it, Doug? Honestly. If he's with the Bulls, yeah. 31? I guess a lot depends on what kind of season he has. Yeah, I mean, it all depends. I mean, the real question is, do you want to renegotiate at age 30 or 31, or do you want to renegotiate at age, like, 32 or 33? Yeah. You know, so, I mean, it's like, and and he'll know what his market value is. I mean, who knows? Yeah, like I said, George is a fine player. He's definitely not a superstar. You know, you you look at any of his advanced statistics, and they're not anywhere near a superstar. The only year that was close to that was that eighteen nineteen season with Oklahoma City. That that was really a premier season. But other than that, you know, he's 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 not a particularly special player. He's he's a decent player. I mean, shouldn't better than decent. He's a good player. He's like a fringe All Star caliber player. Like I don't a guy know. I, who's like okay. You you asked me with Jimmy Butler, how many guys would I take ahead of Butler or whatever? And I said I think he's probably around tenth. And we started naming guys. Like, how many people do you think are better than Zach or than uh, Paul George? And I'm not going to have you name them, but like, just probably your gut feel. right now after this season, he's still to me within 15 and 20. Like, he's probably ranked this year. Well, he's fallen this year, but I'm telling you right now, there's nobody in the league last year before the season started who would have ranked Jimmy Butler ahead of Paul George. I this would've. playoff, well, maybe you, but you're the only one. Nobody else. Would I have don't done think that. that's true at all. After a season where he averaged 28.6 points. He's had some fantastic seasons with Indiana. The guy's a legit superstar. He's definitely not a legit superstar. He's a two-way player. I'll give I, you that. Kawhi Leonard wouldn't have gone to the Clippers if it wasn't for Paul George. He, that was part of the deal. And yeah, they needed to, they needed another star player there. Well, that's, but he's, he's like a fringe star player. Doesn't answer the question. <laughs> doesn't answer the, the, the debate. You know, like no, it, does, Le- it doesn't answer the question of how good do I think Paul George is. You said so. You think he's between fifteen and twenty. Yes, I can't. I don't think I can name 20, nineteen players that I think are better than Paul George right now. Yeah, and and I could maybe give you twenty. I don't. I like. I in my gut feeling, without having gone through this mental gymnastics of trying to put names to paper and say who's better or not better, my gut feeling is that George to me is somewhere between fifteen and twenty-five. Okay. So a similar range to you, I and I would say probably around twenty. It wouldn't surprise me if once I started naming people, I came up with more than 20. But like, I don't think it'd be like way more. And it wouldn't surprise me if I ended up like not coming up with that many and it was a little less. So we're not like super far apart there. I guess to me, though, the value of a guy between um, like, like that range versus the value of a guy in like the top five is like the superstar area. 15 to 25, like those are, those are like your fringe star guys. Like they're, you know, very good players, but they're not like amazing players like you know gordon hayward might have been one of those guys like one year yeah yeah. you know or like you know guys like that like they're they're guys who can have like a a really great season and then not you know be consistent like ben simmons could be in that that group 
you know, like I just like, yeah, you know, like, okay. Yeah. He's a really good player, but like, I, and if George was 25, I'd probably feel a little different about trying to acquire him too. But you know, like getting him at 30, like, yeah, I don't know. I could see it. I just, I think when you're a really bad team, I get really nervous about giving up your draft capital because if it doesn't work, you just completely bury any hope you have of doing anything. Yeah. No, agreed. It, it, it's more of the reason I pose that question. It's more of it, it's twofold. It's number one. I think he would significantly improve the Bulls. I think he's exactly what they're missing. And guy who can play both both sides of the ball. You know, he's a very good three point shooter. He's got his his ability to score, ability to get to the line. Um, you know, like last year he, had, he averaged seven attempts for Oklahoma City. His last year in Oklahoma City, seven attempts a game, and he's an eighty four percent free throw shooter. You know, that's that's something the Bulls are sorely lacking is a guy consistently gets in line. Yeah, he's failed in the playoffs, uh, especially recently, and that's I think, has really blurred a proper perspective on Paul George. You know, but I think if he did, if the Bulls did make that trade, number one, Wendell Carter Jr., you can move him to the four, give Gafford the center position, and you got a really interesting team. Uh, defensively, the front line would be... <laughs> I think pretty rock solid, you know. When I, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is a fantastic defender. Paul George is a very good defender, and then you got Kobe White on the other side. You got Kobe White, Zach Levine, and, and Paul George scoring from the wings. Really interesting team, you know. I, I think more, far more interesting and you know better than what we have now. Everybody's like freaking out. You're giving up Larry. What have we done? We've done nothing. You know, we've been an embarrassment with these guys. He's hurt all the time. Like I, I, I feel frustrated about it, but. It's a fact. Laurie Markkinen hasn't impressed. He has a status with the fans that's not really deserving, I think is the best way of putting it. I don't know if you sense that also. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment of that. Yeah. And it's frustrating because you see glimpses of what he can be. And, you know, there's there's been months, right, where he's had you know, 25-10 or whatever. Where he's averaged, done really well. But just always injured, frustrating, doesn't shoot it well enough. I don't know. Still young, right? I mean, you're still on the upside of his career, you would think. But uh, I'd like to shake things up. Especially because I don't think this draft is good. That's when it, what it comes down to. I don't think there's anybody that I've seen. I guess in, in retrospect, when you think about some of these players, these superstars now, there are a considerable number of them. When you think of the top ten players that people had some questions about when they joined the league, when you look at Kawhi Leonard, when you look at um, you know Paul George, when you look at Jimmy Butler... But then there's the other side of that coin too, where Anthony Davis and you know LeBron James. What do you? Yeah, think? I, I think it's really about like a. It's something. I remember seeing this once. And it was a while ago, and I don't know how accurate it is, but I think it's something like forty to fifty percent of the superstars in the league are drafted number one. Uh, and then after that, though, then it's like a pretty. You know, like it's not like the like thirty percent are number two though. You know, it's like it's like there's, uh, you know, a lot of the guys who are just like LeBron or Anthony Davis. Uh, Zion, like guys like that, it's like you just know seeing them right out of the gates. Like this is going to be a superstar. Yes. Yep. And so like there's a, there's a Kevin high Durant. Hit Kevin Durant. And, yeah. And and Durant, you know, in that year, people thought um, Greg Oden would also be a superstar, and Durant actually went number two. And so that was one of those years where there was kind of like two guys <laughs> that fit like that. But that's very rare. So it's like you know, usually it's like a, it's maybe one in three drafts. There's a guy that's like this is an obvious superstar type guy, and he goes number one. And then after that, then it's like okay, now there's a bunch of guys that like yeah, we see why they could be really great. And but there's not like this super standout guy who's got everything going for them. And then those are the drafts where you get stars that can come out from anywhere. You know, like even Jimmy Butler, who I don't think is a superstar. I think he's a little better than Paul George, but kind of like still a lot of his career is in the same thing. Like he's that, that guy in that like uh, somewhere between 15 and 20 type range for, you know, a lot of his good seasons. Like, you know, guys like that, like, yeah, they can come from almost anywhere. You yeah. Know, uh, I think it is a far more, I think it, I think it's been proven when you look at all NBA, the vast majority are, in, are found in the top 10 of the draft. You know, there are exceptions of course, but the vast majority are top 10. Um, if you look at the best players in the NBA right now, it's kind of it's kind of a strange period in that, you know, Giannis he was drafted 15, Kawhi 15, uh, LeBron James was number one overall. Like I'm I'm gonna go over what I think most people would probably say would be the best players in the NBA: Giannis, Kawhi, LeBron. 
So two of those guys are drafted 15th, very unusual. Then LeBron, number one. Uh, James Harden, number I think it was number three overall. Anthony Davis, number f- uh, number one overall. Steph Curry was seven. Bradley Beal was uh, what top five? I think he was top five. Yeah, it's, I think he was five. Russell five. Westbrook was four. Paul George maybe it was ten. I think he was ten. Damian Lillard was ten. Yeah. The top ten. So I mean, most of the most of the best players are drafted in the top ten. Yeah, I mean Jimmy Butler, guy drafted <clears throat> thirty. Yep. Um, so you, you know you you have quite a few between Giannis, Kawhi, Butler, Jokic. Um, Jokic was also in the second round, actually. Yeah, and th- you know, so there's you, you do have some of these guys who are, and but yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, they you, typically you're getting guys in the top ten. Your your star players are going to come in the top ten, um, and of those guys, more than half of them are probably or around half of them are like number one. And even if you think of guys like who are like number ones who maybe didn't hit superstars, like you think of um, Kyrie Irving, a lot of sight, you know, this year, um, John Wall, Carl Anthony Towns, you know, there's like a lot of like really, really good players who, you know, uh, Blake Griffin, maybe you could say he was a, a superstar for a while. And it's like a lot of guys who have been really great who are, who are number one too. And, and, you know, they weren't, necessarily these uh, at, at this exact moment they're not in that group but they're guys who probably were in that like you know top uh, 15 type player 15 to 20 range we're talking about you know for for pieces of their career too so you definitely have a lot of hits at number one and usually if there is a hit at number one you kind of know it going in and this is definitely not one of those drafts where you you feel so confident about anyone yeah i mean just look at who's left the, with the boston and the lakers uh, their two best players in Brown and Tatum are what three three, and then we look at uh, Kemba Walker was a top ten I think or maybe I'm wrong on that but he's definitely top fifteen, and then you know Lakers obviously had with number one Anthony Davis and LeBron, I guess it is a little different with Denver but Jamal Murray's number seven I think overall, he was picked so you know pri- again primarily top ten top five, uh, and there are outliers of course but. Uh, Interesting topic and interesting discussion. Sometime in the next bus episode, I want to get your top 10. Top 10 players in the NBA. And then also your top 10, maybe under 25. I think it would be a really interesting discussion also. All right. Well, we'll have to put that together. I'm going to have to yeah. you're going to give me some heads up. In that. Maybe yeah. it'll be next. Week. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Brother. I have to roll it off the top of my head. I'm going to do something really embarrassing. I guarantee it. <laughs> Sounds good, my man. Well, let's bring the bus in for another fun ride. I always enjoy these, uh, DT, the Podfather. It's always good to talk to you. Looking forward to uh, our next visit next weekend. Have a good week, my brother, and I'll talk to you again soon.